Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? I've always been told, and I, I don't know if it's an urban legend or a myth, uh, if you get a new outside unit, you should just go ahead and replace the entire thing because if you have trash in one, it'll destroy the other and vice versa. And I, I've got a pretty significant leak in my outside unit and uh, kind of wondering uh, what's your thoughts. How old is the inside unit? Uh, the whole thing's about 12 years old. You know, you're you're right there at that edge. Um, if you'd have told me it was, you know, nine years old, I would say just replace the outside because typically the inside unit will last twice as long as the outside unit. But even at 12 years, I mean, you're you're you've got a 410A system, correct? Yes, the, sir. The coolant. Uh, you know what? If you're and what brand is it? Uh, train, three-ton uh, train system. I would replace the outside unit in a heartbeat and, and uh, keep the inside unit. Those train units, they last a long time. It's not unusual to get 20 to 30 years out of the inside unit. Uh, okay. So you can replace the outside. The next time the outside unit goes down, then replace the whole works. Okay. Now, uh, uh, your guys were actually out of my house the other day. They... Uh, we're trying to find a leak. They they uh, unfortunately weren't weren't able to, but uh, they did. The fan motor on the outside unit went out during the, their inspections. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm guessing from cycling power on and off. Uh, but uh, they replaced that motor, and I got a quote on a new outside unit. Uh, would that motor go into that new? It's a the, the replacement one that I'm. Uh, uh, looking at getting is a, a rude R-U-D-D. Would do, that fan motor fit in that rude? Do not mix the rude with that uh, train system. If if you're going to keep the, the train system inside, I would replace it with a train outside. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's not that you can't mix and match, but that can drastically affect the energy efficiency of them because they haven't been tested to make sure that they're totally compatible for the peak energy consumption where when you stick with the same brand they have set units that can be mixed with the set unit okay um now as far as your uh question on the fan motor you know uh don't i don't know if, if it'll match or not um a lot of them are interchangeable on those fan motors uh, so as you, as you know, they're not so, cheap. So <laughs> yeah, they are not. Uh, so that's just something that you would have to take a look at. Let's head over to Missouri City. Paul, how are you today? Hello, uh, Jim. Uh, I have a question regarding uh, a cover, a shade cover for an AC unit, uh, the condenser. Yeah. And first of all, uh, before I get involved with uh, what structure might uh, create that shade. Is it worth uh, doing as far as efficiency and uh, cost savings? Well, it helps, but I wouldn't stick a whole lot of money into doing it uh, because it's not going to make a huge difference for you. Uh, you know, so it's not going to offset a, 
a bunch of uh, material cost if, if that's what you have to put into it. Uh, because, one, you got to keep a good airflow around it. You don't want to obstruct the airflow going up, you know, because what the fan is doing is basically pulling cool air in through the fins and then it pulls the hot air out and spits it up. So if you put something on the top above it, it circulates that hot air back down and it actually does the opposite of what you want it to do. And if you yeah, do. Yeah, that put, was going to be one of my questions. What yeah. kind of clearance I would need above it? Well, uh, above it, you really need clearance all the way up. You really don't want to put a true cover over it. Which, what typically works better is you just have like a shading wall so as the sun goes down a little bit, uh, it's not su shining directly on the coils themselves. When the sun is directly above, yes, the sun's going to beat down on the top of the unit, but you'll still have good airflow going up keep the wall at least minimum of two feet and preferably three feet away from the unit so that it's got yeah, good air it circulation solid wall. What, what if i were to put in a lat lattice structure you still need it to like keep a three -sided, it three-sided you still got to keep it two to three feet away because it's, it's not just a matter of the shading it's a matter of somebody being able to go in there and work on the unit because it needs to be okay. serviced typically twice a year. And if you get it below that two or three feet, nobody's going to fit in there and, and be able to pull the panels off to service the unit properly. I understand. Okay. So, okay? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. You bet. Josh and Spring Brand. Hey, Jim. I got a question for you. I'm wondering why when watering your foundation, it really does that much given it's such a small square footage relative to the size of the foundation because the concrete itself acts as a natural moisture barrier and keeps the sun and the wind and everything from evaporating the moisture there so as you're doing a moist ring around the foundation through capillary action the moisture migrates all through the middle of the foundation and keeps the soil swelled as well that's also the same reason typical foundation problems start on the perimeter going down first because it's the outside that dries and the middle is not exposed to the elements like the outside and so it stays moist longer got it i admittedly haven't been uh watering my foundation and i noticed some cracks showing up in my uh wood tile uh -huh. is that something i need concerned about or just get back on watering the foundation and it should self-correct well well josh you know me and i'm in the foundation repair business i really don't mind at all if you don't water because it, it, it's good for business down the road uh so yeah. no nah, nah, just leave it leave it go i'm more than happy to come out and put piers later for you but no you <laughs> you definitely need to start watering uh okay. if you're not seeing it in the sheetrock and the brick and doors and things like that yet you're you're still okay. Um, okay. The larger area of tile you have, the more likely you are you'll get a crack in the tile. So that in itself doesn't bother me too much. But yes, you definitely want to get watering. Got it. Sounds good. Thank you, Jim. You bet. Take care, Josh. And again, seven one three two one two five eight seven four. That's seven one three. 
212-5874. And look, you know, one of the questions I get commonly is what soaker hose is the best to use for watering the foundation? It doesn't matter. Just get something going around the foundation. And you want to keep it 12 to 18 inches away from the foundation because you want a nice moist ring and the water will migrate and keep the middle part moist as well. But every day you wait is another day that the soil is getting drier and it gets dry five, six, seven, and uh, back in uh, oh, the the 80s it went down they were measuring it 15 feet down that the soils were drying out the cracks were just massive in the soil back in 81 i mean it was just unbelievable but we're not quite that far yet but we are down a good five six feet already with dry soils and it's going to do nothing but get worse the longer this drought stays so uh, and and you know back to what soaker hoses are best right now they're hard to find so any soaker hoses that you can find you need to go ahead and get them if you can't find soaker hoses you know professionals like when we when do west installs a system to water your foundation we use drip irrigation uh, it costs more to get the lines and everything uh, it, it's it's what we have to do for pulling permits, the backflow preventers, and all the other stuff. But that's still something you can get and do yourself if you want to. And those are still readily available. So you may need to switch from soaker hoses to the drip irrigation. And if you go to our website, thipro.com, uh, when you go through our videos, you will find a video there for how to do it yourself watering the foundation that that we put together so it's just there to help you out let's head up to college station nick how are you today hey jim thanks got a quick question for you about water pressure so i'm not a homeowner i'm renting um i guess you call a duplex okay and i got a question about water pressure in the shower is there anything I can do about that. Is it easily to just put in a new shower head? Is, it, is the water pressure on the shower real low? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just kind of yeah, it's pretty weak. I guess you would say. I is just it, don't want to bug my landlord about it. Yeah, is the water pressure good everywhere else? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. It just take the shower head off. You know the the little pipe that sticks out of the. Uh, wall there you know the shower sure. head just screws onto it take that off and what you'll find is a lot of them have a screen in there and okay if as that screen gets filled up with stuff and and i had this situation at my house where i was getting sand into it and i was having to pull it apart like every two weeks and clean that sand out to keep any water pressure going i ended up putting a a sand trap on it uh on the uh water to my house and that cleared the problem up and then eventually i put a a water softener system in that really took care of it but i'll bet you that's what you got going on is that it's there's a screen in there that's just clogging up needs cleaning and you're probably good to go again I, yeah that makes sense it's, <laughs> it's so dry too probably yeah. a lot of sand blowing around yep you, you think uh i guess advice like i could do that on my own 
Oh, no, absolutely. No, no, more to better than. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just say you'll see that you know uh, right where the pipe comes down, you'll see threads at the end of it, and that's where you want to unscrew it. And uh, some of them are totally round. You want to be careful not to grab it with uh, pliers or something that's going to scar it up. But some of them have just a small flat area where you can take a crescent wrench and adjust it to loosen it up and get it started. Got you. Thanks a lot, Jim. Appreciate it. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. John in Carrollton sent me a message this morning. Who do you recommend for replacement windows at a fair price? Well, I tell you, uh, a fair price sometimes is... Uh, a mixed blessing because sometimes you get a real deal on a price but they don't know what the heck they're doing to do a decent install so uh, you know don't use price as a major guide use what you want to get and the experience and quality of what somebody's selling you but give uh, Mike McDonald with Amazing Exteriors a call you can reach him at 469 744-9125. And he'll be able to help you out with that. So, and you know, I think far too often people bid more than they should. And I'm not saying don't get uh, multiple quotes. That's not what I'm saying. You don't look at it as though everybody's doing the exact same thing. You know, um, when you're taking bids on on work, the only way that you can say yeah uh, everything is comparable is okay. Everybody's using the exact same equipment. Everybody has the exact same skill set, and everybody has the exact same ethics to do it right. And you know what? You're not going to find that because you may get a bid. Uh, a lot of people are looking at AC systems, so let's talk about air conditioning systems. Uh, uh, you may get a bid for an American Standard system and for a Goodman system. Now, those are on the opposite end of the scale as far as in the industry what's considered the quality standards. American Standard being uh, one of the, the higher-ups, Goodman being kind of on the bottom. Now, I'm not saying it's a junk piece of equipment i'm simply saying on the scale that air conditioning companies look at it's a cheaper manufactured air conditioner it costs less to purchase now you may have a great installer put that goodman system in somebody who knows exactly how to tweak everything and make it work just right and you could have a bad installer on the American Standard System, and you know what you're going to have? You're going to have junk. The Goodman System will outperform the American Standard in that situation. So it's important to understand you're not just buying a piece of equipment, and it doesn't matter if it's air conditioning, foundation repair, roofing, sheetrock work. You're buying the person's skill set, and that's what you have to look at more so 
than just the piece of equipment and the final price. Because the more experienced somebody is and the better they can do the job, just like at your job, the more money they make. Jim and Murphy, how can I help you? Oh, hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh, Well, I've got a situation that looks like I've got a, a 16 by 16 brick column on the back of our home that's bracing up the corner or, you know, or actually holding it up uh, in the back porch. It holds the roof up. Okay. Uh, there's, there's now about, last year there was about a quarter inch gap. Today there's about a four inch gap. It's no longer really holding the roof at all. Inside mm-hmm. the brick is our three two by eights. I think they were really doing the work. But, you know, I had a uh, one of these repair groups come out that does the expansion foam where they can lift some things that way. Right. Uh, they looked at it really quick and said, no, nope, this ain't going to work for you. Maybe you should call a foundation company to put a pier under it. So does, does that sound like the solution? And... If so, are there are there minimums? I mean, it would only be one pier. It hardly seems worth their time. <laughs> yeah, well, as a foundation guy, I can tell you, yeah, there is minimums, and it, it would be expensive to do just one that way. Uh, right. But is the post sitting on concrete, or is it, uh, you know, next to the concrete, down into the dirt? It's next to the concrete, down into the dirt, and I assume... Um, that there is a some type of footer, I'm guessing, that was on that originally, but it, it, there's no question it's sunk. Yeah. So, yeah, that wouldn't even be something to put a pier on then. Uh, typically, you, you got one or two things possibly going. And what I'm thinking is they probably drilled a hole, put the post in concrete, and what's happening is over the years, the moisture is causing the uh, post now to rot. And as it's rotting, it's sinking down into the concrete. Hmm, okay. And so um, if if it's doing what I'm thinking it's doing, uh, you got a couple of choices. One is to come up on top of the concrete that's under the ground literally cut the post off bring some blocks up that you can trim out with uh, wood around the base of the post and literally just replace the bottom of the post that's rotting that way the other is to replace the post itself we have to tear the brick off I assume and then have it re-bricked yep okay Okay, is there another solution? <laughs> <laughs> well, the other solution's even worse, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, the only other solution is to take take it off and, and put a whole new post. Right, right, just put in a new beam. Yep. Okay, yeah, I was kind of hoping there'd be a way to put a pier under there, but apparently, like you're saying, it really doesn't make... That may not make any sense. Well, it won't make money sense, but beyond the money... Uh, if the reason I ask if it's sitting on top of the concrete or next to it, uh, it's more than likely just a drilled hole that's got concrete poured around the post, and so there's nothing to put a pier under. That's what I suspect. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right. Okay, well, thank you very much. You I bet. Appreciate your time. Have a great afternoon. 
Let's head down to Granbury. Jeff, how are you today? Hey, Jim. Uh, what is, what's your opinion on open versus closed cell insulation for a barn dominium? You know, the only big difference is, is going to be open cell will absorb water if there's a leak. Closed cell won't. And when it absorbs water, it holds it against uh, wood or whatever it's on and can cause issues. Uh, the insulating factor, there is a very slight difference, but not enough to justify the added cost. Uh, so typically the open cell is less expensive than the closed cell. Uh, but if I'm doing a roof deck or something like that, I prefer closed cell. If I'm doing walls, I'll typically go with the open cell. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm doing obviously the the roof and the walls. So you you would do closed on the on the roof and open on the on the walls then. That that would be my norm. And why are you doing closed on the on the roof? Because a, a roof somewhere in its life, every single roof has a leak in it, and I don't want the insulation absorbing the water. Okay. Yeah, the, one of the other arguments I heard from, and I've talked to several of the insulation guys, they said you want to know where the leak is if it's in the roof, so go with open. Yeah, it it don't work that way because it travels, you know, especially on the roof, it's at an angle, and it literally runs down. Uh, you It won't tell you where the, where the leak is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what about thickness? Well, that all depends on how much R value you want and how much you're willing to spend to get it. Because foam insulation is very expensive uh, compared to other insulations. And uh, typically what you're looking for in standard construction is R, in the, in the roof, R39. Uh, and in a wall, you're typically minimum of R13. Now, with the foam insulations, you can usually get a little higher, but there's no point in going over R48. Uh, you, you start getting over that, you're wasting money because it's not going to save you enough to ever justify the cost. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty much all I had. I just wondered what your opinion was between the open and the closed, and I'm getting all kinds of different, you know, I guess some guys like the open and some guys like the closed. Well, here's what it, you know, the reason so many guys uh, have different opinions uh, they buy bulk material, and it depends on what they got, yeah, and and what they're certified to do, and and that that's really what it comes down to. They're both, you know, very similar products. the The biggest difference is water absorption versus not. One of the other things I've I've heard, and I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but the closed cell foam actually um, uh, strengthens their structure it it does help a very very minor amount and it's small enough that when they're looking at uh, construction you know uh, variables it doesn't play into it yeah i'm hearing like 300 percent no way I, that was kind of a shock to me too yeah no i mean if that was the case we we wouldn't have to build with anything other than foam Good point. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jim. You bet. Take care. You know, and, and again, foam insulation is fine 
it's, it's just you, you got to look at what you're putting it in how you're going to use it uh, i don't like totally encapsulating a place and you know one of the things he didn't bring up is uh some people will say well the the open cell still breathes yeah no it don't because it still has a skin on it and it it, it doesn't Ed, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hi, Jen. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question about window treatments to block out some sun. I've got um, uh, my house has three large windows that are kind of facing the west, and they heat up during the uh, during the afternoon part of the day. And I'm looking for something that's a cost-effective way to uh, to cool those rooms down using some window treatments. And are they a single pane window or are they double pane? What do you got right now? I think they're just the builder grade double pane windows. Okay. And what year was the house built? Uh, it was built in 2003. Okay. So in it, your choices are going to be you can look at a, a window tint, you know, a window film that, that has. Um, reflective properties on it that that will block the heat from coming into the window it, it, it almost acts as a radiant barrier uh, obviously you could put uh, solar screens on but in order to really block a good amount of the heat that you're getting from that window you're also going to lose a lot of visibility uh, another choice and I, I actually use this at my own house is a uh, uh, I went with plantation style shutters and they they actually work really great because not only do they block the um, heat from coming in but you know when, when you want to close up to just have privacy and stuff inside they work great uh, I went with sunburst shutters they do a, a wonderful job um, beyond that you would be looking at replacement windows and such. So you're getting into real money then. Right, right. So, so I have sort of looked into the like the window film and everything. Do you have any recommendations there? Uh, 3M makes a good one. And they, may, they have one that's actually clear. Uh, so you still have good visibility, but it helps uh, with the heat coming into the building and, and what a lot of people worry about is oh it's going to reflect that heat and and it's going to break the glass it, it doesn't work that way all it does is stop the heat from coming in it and it's not reflecting it back and building up heat and and that's where people kind of get confused on window films a lot of times it, it's strictly a stop it's not a not a reflective of the heat 3m okay and, uh, and if you if you'll if you'll uh, Google 3M window films, uh, it'll even come up with installers. But the, it is something that you can install yourself as well. Uh, you you were, you read my mind on the next question. As long as <laughs> I'm pretty good at DIY stuff, so uh, if if it's workable, then I, I think uh, that's probably the way I would go. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I I, I put some. Uh, some decorative ones in at my parents' house, uh, you know, that, that make it look like uh, stained glass. They're extremely oh. easy. I mean, r short short of it is you spray a little, you clean the windows real good first. You spray 
a little bit of uh, moisture on there, you set the film on, and that gives you the ability to move the film around. Once you get it set in place, you squeegee out the excess water, trim it, and you're done. Oh, my. That does sound easy. It is. All right. Well, I sure do appreciate your help. You bet. Have a wonderful afternoon. Don, are you doing all right today? Yes, I got a question. What can I do for you? I've heard you talk about insulation over areas that are not heated or air conditioned. I've got a garage, and the house is built. They put insulation over my garage, and it stays hotter than hell in the evenings when the sun's coming down. Yep. Should I remove that insulation from top of the garage uh, to help it cool? There's no living space above the garage, correct? No, no living space. It's just attic. Yep, get rid of that insulation up there because that insulation is holding the heat and releasing it overnight. And, yes, it's, it it just extends the hot time in that garage. Yeah. In substitute, could I put a radiant barrier down over the 2 by 6s in the attic? Absolutely, and that's what I recommend all the time. And typically that will help make about a 15-degree difference. Good, good. Uh, which radiant barrier should I, should I use? I use one called Energy Q Radiant Barrier, and uh, it's out of Texas here. And you can reach them by calling 1-800-900-6220. Yep. Okay, I got it. I appreciate your help. You bet. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, if you want to go online and look up in, uh, the Energy Q Radiant Barrier, their web address is energy, then the letter Q, dot com. And uh, it's a multi-layer system, so it's one that can actually be sandwiched behind building materials. Uh, I lay it on the attic floor on top of my insulation, and that's w- what little bit of insulation I have. And that's what blocks the heat from the attic from getting into my living space really makes a, a huge difference. Jenny, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for what you do. Uh, quick question. We put uh, a pavilion up to extend our patio, uh-huh. and it's a tin roof, and it's as hot as 80s. <laughs> yes. Is there anything we can do other than have an electrician come in to maybe you know install a fan like in the peak part? Or is it, I don't know, I mean, it's it's toasty. <laughs> Are you looking at the tin on the bottom side? I am. Okay. Um, because, yes, there are some things you could do, like a radiant barrier could be put in. That would help. Uh, uh-huh. even, even if you did the spray barriers, it would help, but not as much as a regular foil-type radiant barrier. I mean, uh, if you'd put a foil up there, it would it would be like you're under a shade tree then. Okay, so would I put it on underneath or on yes. the top part? Underneath. Okay, so they we have those. I put those in my garage to keep it like ten degrees cooler, and it does work. Yep. And you just cut out. It, it looks like it's um, a twelve by twelve square. I mean, there's many squares, and just take them and put that in there. And they're silver, right? You don't have any other color. Correct. Now okay. you could run it, you know, if you if you want to run it down uh between the uh the joist up there. Uh-huh. You know, rather than cutting squares, you can just literally run a stretch all the way down 
the choice. Oh, I didn't think about that. And would cover, but it would cover the wood part. Yeah, it, it would. Uh, but it, okay. you know, it's only covering the slats going across that the tin exactly. sits on. Exactly. And so you know, you're not covering up really anything decorative that way. No, it's as hard as taking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It, it offers a shade. You yeah. Know, but your your other choice is to go it. ahead and use that energy cue. Just run it on the the joist, and then cover it with uh, a plywood or a decorative beadboard type board, and you really would have a a great cover then. So I got an email from David in Round Rock, and he says, would like to add 450 square foot to a 20-year-old 1,670 square foot home, but have no references to select from, and also must get HOA approval. Any advice? Absolutely. Uh, in order to get HOA approval, I'm sure you're going to have to have drawings and plans of what you want to do. And in order to get bids from contractors, you're going to have to have the same or a contractor who can design it and build it after getting the HOA approval. So your choices are to start looking for a contractor who's a design build or get an architect to design it. And then you've got all the drawings and everything for the HOA and for getting competitive bids from the contractors. Personally, I would start with the architect and, and go that route. Because if you go with the uh, design-build contractors, uh, you know they're not going to be willing to release the drawings unless you buy them in order to get other bids. They're, they're typically going to say, okay, uh, yeah, we design it, but we do not release that information. That's for us and for you to go over with us, but that maintains in our possession until after we finish building the project, and you can have the plans so that you have them for your records. So in this situation, start with the architect, and I I will guarantee you the architect will know some contractors as well to get the project done. George N. McKinney says, I have a house which is now four years old, and I've noticed that the driveway's color is changing from a typical gray cement color to a sandy yellow-orangish color. What's going on? Is there anything I can do to stop it? Thanks for your time. Love your show, George. Well, George, concrete is made up of all this natural material that goes into it. And the sun does change the color of the concrete. Now, typically what will happen first is it will go down as a dark gray. Then it turns almost white. And if it's turning this yellowish color, that's typically because of the type of sand that was used in the concrete. And honestly, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do about that. If you want to have a coating put on or something... Uh, you know, that could cover up the color, but truthfully, I would wait a while and, and see exactly where it stops because you may like it when it's done. Uh, as it ages, usually the concrete will start going back to more of a darker color, and it's not because the concrete at that point, and yours is old enough for this, it's not so much that it is changing colors of the concrete anymore, but it's more the things that are settling on the concrete pollutions, pollens, dust, all gets on the concrete, and that allows uh, algae and stuff like that to grow. So, you know, if you want to check and see if pressure washing it will bring it back to the white, 
you can try that. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to try to pressure wash it, don't use the wand uh, to do it. Get one of those uh, units that hooks up to the pressure washer where it spins. Uh, it looks kind of like you're you, like you're waxing the floor, uh, but it, it just spins and it does a more even job of cleaning the concrete and giving you a, a nicer uniform finish. And you might be surprised. It could be that it's just from all the pollen this year that it's uh, getting that yellowish, orangish color. Don, this is Jim. How can I help you? How are you doing? Good. Well, I got a question. Uh, I have one of those three-fold <laughs> attic ladders that you pull down from the ceiling, and it's in the little tri-fold thing. Yeah. And it's made of wood. Now, the house, the it was in there before, and it's, the bottom part seemed a little short, so when you put the weight on, it kind of doesn't make a straight line but kind of curves in a little bit and it's yeah. starting to crack so my thing is it's probably a little too short it's not it's not the best safety uh device in the house put it that way so i'm thinking about replacing the whole thing now i heard that these metal ones are really good if they are my question is um should i get the trifold one or the one that slides down like it's the one piece and it'll slide down all the way or, and also, do you know anybody that does a good installation and stuff like that? Any companies you recommend? I don't have any companies I recommend on them, but yes, I would go with the metal one. And I, I, I would do the one that slides down. Because the trifold always has to be cut to the exact height. Otherwise, you get what you're getting where, you know, it, it bends funny. Um, it almost looks like your knee bending backwards is what it does. And the slide-down one doesn't have to be adjusted for that. Uh, it'll, okay. it'll handle whatever the, the height is. So those, those actually do a great job. I, I can tell you the box stores like Lowe's and, and Home Depot and places, they sell them, and they have guys who can install them. Sorry, did you say get rid of the wood, though, for 100%, go to the metal? Yes, I would go to the metal. Okay, no slide down. Okay, all right. But if you know anybody off the end, I was just wondering that also. But I appreciate the advice. Okay? You bet. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. This is from uh, Linda in Fairview. I'm considering doing a drip system around my house to keep the foundation healthy. Can you tell me the direction I should go and the approximate cost of something like that? Well, if you're looking at the drip irrigation, it'll depend on if you're going to do it yourself or have it done. Uh, I install drip irrigations at Due West all the time. And for us to come in and do a legal system that an irrigator would put in and pull the permits, get the inspections, the backflow preventers and uh, rain sensors and the whole nine yards, typically you're looking at, you know, $3,500 to $4,000. Uh, if you do it yourself, obviously you're going to save quite a bit of money on that. But you got to do the labor of digging the, the pipe in and, and all that stuff. The systems that I use have a drip emitter every 12 inches. And each emitter puts out 0.9 gallons of water per hour. And so you can buy soaker hoses, or not soaker hoses, but drip irrigation hoses that have different emission rates than that. And so you can calculate it out you know what what you want to do but that's the systems that do west uses so hopefully that'll help you out you've just heard the best calls and questions from texas home improvement 
For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.